Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi team, and welcome to episode 30 of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. On this episode, rugby superstar, Tyler Nathan Wong. You should be, I feel like, more famous and more well-known than, than what you are. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, yeah. you know, you, you, you are, I suppose, like the female Aaron Smith. <laughs> I'll take that. I, I, I don't know if you've had sex in the toilet in the airport. No, no, 100% not. I haven't no. done that. She's still only 28, so she's got years of playing ahead of her, but already she's won silver and gold Olympic medals, a Commonwealth Games gold, a couple of Rugby Sevens World Cup titles, and she's been twice named New Zealand Sevens Player of the Year. Oh, as well as that, she was a model for Anne Geddes as a baby, something that we do chat about in this conversation. I loved this podcast so much. Tyler is such an easy conversationalist and a real open book, and I really hope you guys enjoy this one as well. Let's get into it. Tyler Nathan Wong. Hey, runners only, yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is runners only with Dom Harley. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. This is runners only, yeah, yeah let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is runners only with Dom Harley. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming. Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, runners only with Dom Harley. Runners only with Dom Harvey and Tyler Nathan Wong. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. Ty- Tyler the Creator. <laughs> Tyler, have you got like a Tyler the name? Like, um, they call me Tiny here in the city. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean Tyler the Tyler the Playmaker. Oh, oh, that I, would be, I like eh? that. I like <laughs> that. that. Let's go there. there. <laughs> hey, um, so good. Where are we, by the way? What is this place? The Adams. Um, Adams Centre of High Performance. So this is where we're based for um, rugby sevens. Men and women's are out of here, and yeah, we're all. Yes, you could say centralised, or have to live down here and train out of um, this epic building every single day almost. Yeah, it's a sick looking gym here. Is it named after Dame Valerie? No, no. Um, I don't think it's named after Dame Valerie, but I'm not too sure who's it named after. It's uh, connected to the University of Waikato. Right, right. Hey, um, it is great to finally uh, sit down with you. We've been going um, backwards and forwards on the DMs for months now. We have been, yeah. You, you agreed to come on like at the beginning of 2022 and then I'm like, oh, should we do it this week? And you're like, no, I'm in Paris. Or should we do it this week? No, I'm doing this. Busy girl. Oh, busy, 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 yeah. The life of a rugby player, especially a sevens rugby player, you know, as the world's opened back up, we're starting to travel a lot more and, and being able to go back to more tournaments. And so, yeah, it's finally good to have you down here at our base and, yeah, to meet you in person finally. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Um, let's just run through uh, some of your achievements. Uh, there's two World Cups. By the way, correct me if I get anything wrong. Okay, here. okay, sweet as. Uh, two World Cups, um, an Olympic silver medal, an Olympic gold medal, Commonwealth Games gold medal, six World Series titles, first person to reach 1,000 points. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's, that's, all... that's yeah. <laughs> Fuck, that's full noise, eh? Yeah, it's um, been... Uh, we're, I've been a part of this team since 2012, um, so I was only 17 when I first made the squad and been there ever since, so we're going on... I think this is our 11th, my 11th season, and there's about... Maybe three other girls in the same situation. So, it's, yeah, it's been a pretty long career growing yeah. up in this program and achieved some pretty wicked stuff with this team. So you're, you're the youngest youngest player ever? 
I think that's correct, yeah. I think I was the youngest player ever to debut for this team um, right. at the time, yeah. So um, are we are we talking black ferns or sevens? Well, sevens, sevens, right? Black sevens, yes. Okay, so um, so you make the team when you're when you're seventeen. Are you are you still at school then? Or yeah, you... so I was in my last year of high school, um, year thirteen at um, Linfield College, and where's Linfield? It is um, in Auckland, Central West Auckland, um, not far from Mount Ross School. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Right. So yeah, made the team in my last year of high school. Back then we weren't full time. Um, we were classed as yeah, part-time athletes, and so we were having to wake up and train at like 4.30 a.m. in the morning. I would then go to do a full day of school and then train again in the afternoon, and that was the same with other girls who um, had jobs, so they could fit that, that in their lifestyle. But as everything started getting, you know, the... Profession. Professional, but in regards to the demand as well, it was more the demand of um, of us as athletes started getting higher, and so it came impossible to I guess, hold down a job for the girls because they were having to take you know eventually so much leave that it ended up being unpaid from their work yeah, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So it threw a bit of a debacle in the thing in regards to New Zealand rugby, and then then we're alongside the players' association ended up coming up with contracts. I think that might have been in twenty thirteen, and we slowly progressed from semi professional and now to full time right. professional. And, and are, are things are things good now? You, you mentioned to me just before that you've you've got a mortgage, so you've you've got your own. I got my house, own house yeah, which so is cool. I think I've, this is my third coming up third year in my right. house. So yeah, this it's amazing to say that I'm a full time professional rugby player. I get to do this for a living. This is my job. You, this wasn't possible, you know, ten years ago. For yeah. females, especially, you know, males, it's always been around. It's been around for a while, but for a female rugby player, like it's just bloody incredible. Mm. Yeah, things are, it feels like things are getting better all the time. Like um, um, at the time that we're recording this in July, um, an announcement was made um, about women's cricket in this country. I know. I saw that this morning. I was like, wow, that is yeah. fantastic. You know, like same thing. They play the same sport as their male counterparts, but it's also awesome to see the support from them, their male counterparts as well. Yeah. And that was exactly the same with us in rugby. Like we had um, some of the All Blacks and all that kind of stuff supporting us in order to get um, those contracts initially and then uh, now being on equal pay as well. Yeah, is, is, the, is the, the money for you okay? Yep, so we, uh, so with the men and women sevens, we, our tiers that we have are equal, which is pretty cool. And, oh, and, and it's, it's 100% yeah, livable um, wages right. and salary, something yeah. like that. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, with those um, achievements that I read out before, like Olympic gold, silver, Commonwealth Games gold, World Cups, yada, 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 I mean, you, 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 should, be, you should be, I feel like, more famous and more well-known than, than what you are, you, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you, yeah. you know, you 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 are, I suppose, like the female Aaron Smith. I'll take I, that. I, I, I don't know if you've had sex in a toilet. Nip, no, no, one hundred percent not. I haven't no, done that. No, no, but, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. financially, I'm sure he's in a far better position than than, than what you are. Yeah, obviously you know? our our pay and stuff doesn't compare to, I guess, what the the All Blacks are on. But like anything, you know, it is a great start for us, but. You know, we're still, we're still it's going, in the, right, it's right going right in the right direction. direction. Yeah. It is, it is going in the right direction. And it's also cool to see now the 15s girls on board as well and them getting more support too behind them financially to be able to commit full time because it is a juggle. Like back in the day, you were like balancing, I was balancing school, girls were balancing work, your priorities are all over the place. Plus, you know, then you chuck in rugby, you chuck mm. in life. And it's just hard to be able to balance all of that. And then, so when you know that you're financially secure or you're getting something from what you do that you're putting everything into, it just takes that, you know, the pressure, the pressure away yeah. 100%. You're not having, you know, some of these girls have families and mm. have young ones. And so it takes that pressure away from having to provide 
um, another way um, yeah. for them. Also, if you're, if you're that good at what you do, and, and you are, you're very good, uh, you know, it's, it wouldn't be fair that you get to 30, 35, whenever you choose to retire and have nothing to show for it. Yeah, so that's why I'm very, like, you know, we're very grateful to do be in the position that we are. There's a lot of sports out there that still aren't, you know, fully backed and supported. They're having to find their own ways or get funding from other places. So to be in the position we are, we are very grateful for it. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to just be grateful. You know, we deserve to be where we are. Yeah, you want to thrive, not just yeah, survive. Yeah, exactly. Hey, um, I just remember I, I didn't start recording, so I'll just um, get my camera on and record. <laughs> <laughs> so I straight into it. Uh, I've got like a little bit of content for, <laughs> for, for the TikTok. Oh. Oh. Um, yeah, so. Cool. So, um, so the podcast is called Runners Only, um, so we need to uh, tick off the, the running box. It's, it's like a guarantee on every podcast there has to be at least a little bit of run chat. A little bit of running. Well, uh, we, we do run, right? Yeah, <laughs> you, you run a lot. I, I believe also you were really good at school. You were, you were like queen of the cross country or something. Yeah, yeah, I was. So I won every single school cross cross country that I ever competed in and then also um, I think it was an intermediate made a couple of um, trips to like the interzone Auckland stuff and um, my first year there I ended up placing second and here I was running on like bare feet and stuff against all these like you know pretty <laughs> intense you know Harriet type runner people yeah, and yeah. came second in Auckland in intermediate school age so yeah I had, had a little bit of running behind me I guess and it definitely helps in the sport of sevens. Just um, just naturally good? Yeah so I didn't ever I guess yeah just naturally really like Thank God for my genetics from my parents. Um, yeah, I just enjoyed going out there, and I think it's more so the competitive edge too. Like any competition, I'm in it, and I'm going to push no matter what type of thing. And yeah, it just came naturally to me just running um, longer distances. And yeah. Do you run? Do you run now? Like, uh, if you don't have to, so say you're say you're um, say you arrive in Paris for a tournament, yep. and you're jet lagged, and you've got a couple of days before you have to get into things. Would you go for a run around the city or anything? Uh, or no, does running so, seem like work? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's more so for me. If I we arrive, I'll jump on a bike or something like that, spin the legs over. But we do get the odd days where it is self directed, or we've come back from a trip and we've landed back in the country. We get a few days off, and we get a few different aerobic options given to us. That's when I'll most likely go out and jump on the road and go for a little bit of a, you know, 20, 30 minute run type thing. Right. Wow. Were you just one of these kids? Were you, were you just naturally good at everything? Do you think? Yeah. In re- yeah. I guess so. Don't be humble. Don't be humble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess so. In that reg- like, especially in regards to sport, like I just loved anything and everything. Like, in high school, I played every single sport pretty much available. You know, I was doing the hockey, I was playing soccer, touch, rugby, tag, uh, did swimming, taekwondo. Like I just was excited about giving anything new a go pretty much and you know any new challenge or anything that tested me I was happy to put my hand up and, and step forward and give it a go at least once you know yeah so um so so, so rugby and sevens in the early years when um because you're 28 now yes I am so when you're sort of like primary school age intermediate age were there were there like girls teams no 100% there were no uh, girls teams at all and uh, so I was must have been maybe around nine something like that there was a we had a rugby team at at primary school and so no girls were playing and I was like oh I want to play and so 
I went and um, like you know registered for the team, and then the principal actually had to go and ask my parents to make sure it was okay, and they had to obviously go through a few channels to make sure that a girl playing in a boys um, competition was okay too. And yeah, that's kind of where I had my first taste of contact sport because back then it was actually you know contact. I think now it's more ripper at those sort of ages, but back then that was contact, and um, went to my first rugby tournament and absolutely loved it. Um, got photos still, you know, my little headgear. My dad was there supporting me on the <laughs> well, sideline. So and my mum, um, and you know, like the, I think it was like the maroon burgundy colour of our school. And then um, I got picked by, I think it was our coach or principal at the time to um, take the ball up and go get it signed by um, the great late John Alomu. And that's the, the first wow. ever All Black I got to meet. So that was Holy pretty shit. incredible experience, yeah. Unreal. So how old were you then? I was, yeah, I think it was like eight or nine. It must have been eight or nine around then, yeah. Right, so was, was that sort of when Jonah was in his prime? That must be, yeah. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, well, that's 20, yeah, 20 years ago now. Yeah, and how, how, were the, um, how were the boys in the, you know, having a girl in the boys team? Were they yeah, okay? Yeah, they were awesome. Like, yeah, I was friends with all those boys in the yeah. team, and yeah, they obviously knew how competitive and sporty I was at school anyway, and yeah, they, they absolutely were fine with it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because I've, um, I've had Sophie Devine on the podcast, the, uh, the captain of the, yes. uh, the women's cricket team, and um, she's like four years older than you, but she, she had a sort of a, a similar experience in that there were no like boys cricket teams. I had no girls cricket team, yes. so she had to play with the boys. Um, and she said um, some of the boys were a bit weird until she sort of proved herself. But she yeah. said that the, the parents were the ones that were were weird about it. Like having, the, not having her on the um, boys team. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't get that. Yeah, you, you didn't have any sort of experience like that? <laughs> not, not that no. I can remember, no. Not that I can remember. I just, I think the boys in the team knew how like sporting and competitive I was anyway because, you know, I'd – pretty much most win most things, whether it be athletics, cross-country, at school. So they were more than happy to have me on the team, really. Um, yeah, I don't think – it was more so, actually, it was more so the opposition being like, oh, there's a girl in their team type. Like, and I do remember – I still remember it quite vividly, like, this boy, like, um, yeah, saying something like, oh, there's a girl in the team, and then ended up going out there and we ended up smashing their team. So that was pretty cool. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's going to be um, – what sort of age are we talking like, intermediate sort of age? That was that was primary, primary. Then, yeah, yeah, that was primary. But I actually played league. League was my first ever sport, so I would have been about six years old playing with my um, cousin and an all boys team as well. My dad and uncle coached us, and I played for Newland Stags and then Ponsonby Ponies as well. Right, right. Why, why, um, why didn't you stick with league? Uh, well, for girls, there just wasn't really anything. Like, oh, okay. League was very, yeah. Yeah, there wasn't much. But I come from a league family, so I've loved league and still love league to this day. I, you know. Secretly watch it more than rugby. <laughs> is that so? Is yeah, that so? That is a hundred percent so. Yeah, I'm watching the NRL, the NRLW, like all of that. Yeah, um, who's your? Do you have a favourite team in the I NRL? I really have like the the career dance would be the Warriors. You know, you should say. Hey, I, I, I always support the Warriors, right? Because they're the New Zealand based team. So yeah. I have to always support the Warriors. Good to see them get the win over the weekend. You <laughs> Finally, <know? laughs> it was good to see that happen and. and for them to be home because they're far out. They've sacrificed so much just to yeah. you know keep that competition alive. But yeah, you know, support the Warriors. But for me, it's more about so players like Jonathan Thurston was a player that I enjoyed watching, um, and also the likes of Darren Lockyer and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah, maybe you can explain that. I know very little about sport, so what's the sort of what's the sort of difference between rugby and league? And I suppose what I mean by saying that is, so you got someone like Benji Marshall, right? Yes. Phenomenal league player. Yes. Makes the switch to rugby, plays for the Blues, doesn't do very well. Then you have like Roger Tuvasa Sheik, phenomenal league player, 
but in a shitty team that hardly ever wins, then he makes the jump to rugby, plays for the Blues, and excels, and now he's in the All Blacks. Yeah, so one thing is Roger had a rugby background to begin with, so he, I think, started in rugby, then went to league, and then came back to rugby. So he already had a bit of that you know, rugby IQ and knowledge behind him. Yes, he hadn't played in you know, rugby for a while and it had advanced across the years since he had been out of it. Um, so I think that was probably one of the main things. I don't know if Benji had that rugby um, background. Right. But the games are very different, like how you, how you do play it. Like obviously you've got six um, tackles in league, an unlimited amount of um, time with the ball in rugby. You know, if you hold on to it the entire half, then you hold on to it the entire half type <laughs> thing. <laughs> and then just how you play, like whether you're playing flatter, um, a lot of the time... League, if you watch it live, like watching on the TV, you know, it's amazing that you watch it live, you actually see a lot of the ball plays, uh, a lot of the work is just around the ball carrier and the tacklers, you know, a lot of these other players can kind of switch off for a little bit um, while that occurs, whereas rugby, you know, if someone gets tackled, people are flying in there to try and secure the ruck, so it's going back and forth, whereas in league, you get tackled, there's about, you know, you, the ball carrier, and a couple of tacklers on you, you're just the ones fighting, whereas everyone else is kind of just getting in a position. Right. So it's a bit more constant. I think, looking at league, though, it looks a lot more physical. Um, there's a lot more, you know... <laughs> How they, hurt. they get a, uh, get away with a lot more, too. You know, some tackles that happen in league, <laughs> weren't you won't get in away with those in rugby. You'll get a, either a yellow or red card. <laughs> yeah, rugby seems very strict now, doesn't it? It is, it is very strict. But is that a good thing? Like, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, follow the rules, you'll be fine. Like, you can still see some massive, incredible hits going on, and at the end of the day, it is player welfare and safety, mm. you know. If we can protect the players' heads and from them getting concussions, you know, all the time, you know, that means we'll have better longevity in players being yeah, able to play. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to, you've seen the likes of um, the different stuff coming out around dementia and, and Oh, yeah, Carl Heyman, the ex-All Black. Yeah. yeah. And, 40 and not just in, like, rugby, but league, right. and then, you know, in the NFL too, it's all out there. So the, lo- the better we can protect our players' while still allowing it to be entertaining and that contact sport that we all love and enjoy is, mm. I'm all for it. Have you you been concussed? Yep. No, 100%. Yeah, I have been. I've had, I'd say, two major ones and then a third not-so-bad one. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's not nice. It's probably one of the worst, I guess, injuries you could say that you can have because unlike a, you know, a sprained ankle, you can – Treat that, you can treat the stuff around it, you can get rehab given to you to thing it, and you can really track the progression of it. The concussion, it's all very individual. Your concussion to my concussion could be 100% different. Mm. And that's something I've noticed with the two major ones I had, they were very different. Um, the first one I had back in, I think it was 2013, got it in the Rugby World Cup final, landed awkwardly on top of the hip of a player when I tackled them, and it just got me, like, I kind of ricocheted and bounced off. I got up, and I was it was just spinning around me. Everything was spinning. I went to run and move, fell straight back to the ground. And then all I remember is the ball coming, like, they've kicked the ball back, and then I just picked it up, and I just hear my teammates yell, kick it out, kicked it out. We won the Rugby World Cup for, um, final for in Russia in 2013. And that one, though, I passed the test, like, cleared everything. Um mm. But I still had symptoms, and it wasn't until a day or two later I ended up getting like a delayed concussion, so my emotions were all over the place. I was crying for no reason, felt um, really anxious and a bit panicky, whereas my next one I had um, was more around the nausea, like felt really sick and dizzy all the time and stuff like that. So it was very different experiences, um, but grateful for the team that were around me to make sure that I progressed and did everything right to get back to being wow. normal, yeah. And it's a process, like... One day you could go for a run, you know, a light run, and then you got to judge, am I, like, what symptoms are coming on? If none, then sweet, you get to go and do something again the next day. But if symptoms come on, 
you have to stop and rest that next day. So it's very back and forth. You could go two steps forward to come, you know, three steps back. Yeah, type right, thing. right. God, how frightening. Yeah, it is. It is frightening because mm. you're like, well, this isn't me. Like, you know, this isn't me. I'm, I'm not this emotional, um, anxious type person. What's, what's going on? Type thing. And you know, for me, I always say you've only got one brain. So anytime I get a head knock or you know, there's another girl on our team, like, just take your time because you want to be right before you come back because there's a lot of stuff around secondary impact syndrome mm. too and that's just not good. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a good, um, a good, a good uh, motto. But some of us don't even have a whole brain. I recorded a podcast with um, Kieran Reid and like, we, we talked about concussion we talked about his head injuries and um, that sounds awful. Like just um, the delayed effect. Like he told me that he'd be driving in his car turn his head a couple of times to look in the blind spot and then it would bring on like massive, massive, awful, nauseating migraines. Yeah, so that's another thing, the massive, yeah, the, the headaches, the migraines, but even just my um, my ability to construct an email, you know, and put sentences right. I'd send an email to my dad and he replied back like, you know, this email's all over the place, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and then I, I didn't realise when I sent it, you know, but just the ability to even just construct a simple email to someone wasn't working for me at the time either. So but you, you, you weren't aware that your email didn't make sense? No, was, I wasn't, no. Right, so, you thought you, so it's almost like... um. It's almost like you're wasted in a way. Yeah, it was crazy. So that that one in 2013 probably was the yeah one of the worst ones I've so had. Nine, so that was in your, the early stages of your career when yes. you were still like 19. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah, had just literally turned 19 right. the next day. <laughs> right. Oh, wow. God, what a shitty birthday. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, you win the World Cup, yay, but then you get the concussion. Yeah. What other injuries have you had? Have you any, anything really bad? Um, were you so pretty lucky? I, in 20, what was it? I had a string of bad, so 2015, um, end of 2015, I got a real bad concussion in Dubai, so that put me out for like two or so months, and then start of 2016, so this is the Olympic year, I ended up um, returning from that concussion, I think Feb before our tournament in Brazil, and went and played, and I think it was our first or second game, ended up um, partially tearing my kicking leg, my quad, Mm -hmm. and so I didn't realise I had done it though, I just knew it was a sharp pain, so I played the entire tournament, and then it wasn't until we got home and we did scans, they're like, oh, you know, oh whoopsie, you've actually partially torn your quad. So that then put me out for another couple of months. Um, and then I was able to return for the Canada and Atlanta tournament. So Atlanta was first, and I just went as the travelling 13th reserve just to give me that extra time to recover from my quad. So then the following week, I was like, sweet, got Canada, you know, excited, doing all the trainings. This is my first 20 back um, since, you know, Brazil. I'm excited. And then... It would have been, I think, a day or two before, uh, two days out from tournament. We were doing our last proper training run and caught awkwardly in a rub, uh, in a ruck, and actually dislocated my um, left kneecap. Oh, yeah. shit! That sounds gnarly. <laughs> it was the worst mm. pain I've ever felt, and it didn't go sh- back in either. It stayed out, and so. Did someone, did someone did someone from medical try and like pop it yeah, back so in? Yeah, so our or? physio, um, it, so our poor physio, it was her first, <laughs> it's our physio now, Kate, <laughs> um, and um, it was her first solo tournament with us, so she was filling in for, she wasn't our physio at the time, but she was filling in for our main physio, and so it was her first tournament solo by herself, and then this happens, and she's like, oh my god, what the heck, but thankfully she was able to, um, yeah, push it back in and get it into place, but... 
Oh, it was next level pain. I, I think I went into shock too because I yeah, had the feeling of like just wanting to faint and everything like that. But oh, it was, yeah. Don't do that. Don't dislocate your kneecap, guys. <laughs> Not recommended. Yeah. I don't think anyone's writing that down on their phone. I'm going to put that in the notes section of my phone. Don't dislocate your knee. But at the same time, that was four months out uh, from the Olympic Games. And so I thought my Olympic Games was done. I thought for, for so. What, for what year? 2016. Swim, so okay. Rio Olympics. I thought right. that was me done. I yeah. thought I would never wouldn't be able to get back from something like that. And so my dream that I had, you know, since a kid was potentially over. Um, but thankfully I, you know, did all the rehab, listened to the support medical um, people, um, did everything I could possible to get back, and I did. So I was yeah. able to make it back into the team, get selected, and make my, you know, Olympic debut. And that's when you that's when you won the uh, the silver medal. That's when we got the yeah. silver medal, yeah. Were you um, – yeah, let's talk about that. Were, were you – were you happy? I mean, it's your first Olympic experience, um, and so winning a medal, I suppose, is awesome. But were you, what was the mentality like of you personally in the team? Like, were you happy with the silver, or were you kind of gutted not nah, to get the gold? Like, the initial reaction was hundred percent gutted. Like, for yeah. any team sport um, or that tournament style thing, is like that's not a race. You don't win the silver. <laughs> you you lose to get the silver. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, Second place is the first loser. Yeah, it's not like a race where, uh, like a 100-meter race where you're all racing and uh, you know you, you win the silver medal or you win the gold or the bronze. So, you know, you win gold, you're elated. You win bronze, yo, I won a medal. I like, slipped in. Stoked, yeah, yeah. I, you know, stoked. I still won that game to get that medal. To get silver... You lose that, yeah. you know that that you lose the gold um, pretty much, and so we, yeah. If I don't know if anyone's seen the um, footage or you know remember watching that, we were yeah pretty distraught when that that happened. Um, pretty emotional just knowing that you know how hard we had been working um, to. Sorry, just behind the scenes, I'm just trying to. <laughs> Do you want that just... behind the coffee cup? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to prop my phone up on an empty coffee, take my coffee cup. Oh, that was good. There we go. That was good, balancing the phones. Yeah, so we were pretty distraught, really. And mm. um, Did it make you it, more, must have made, made you even hungrier, I guess, for the oh, next it campaign? It fueled the fire yeah. for the next yeah. campaign, 100%. But back then, like, we were gutted, and it wasn't until we um, had a chat with Emma Twig, and she was like, you know, first of all, only, I, I can't remember exactly, but it was something around, like, first of all, only a certain amount of play, uh, people make it to the Olympics, and then only a smaller portion get a medal so she's like be bloody proud of what you girls have achieved mm. and you know obviously we've seen her career she was so close to getting you know those medals those gold finished fourth I think a couple of times and it wasn't until Tokyo that she finally you got a gold, got a gold yeah. which was yeah. amazing to see like all her hard work too and so yeah so that what that pretty much fueled our fire for that entire campaign especially us girls who had been there in 2016 which is a large portion of our our Tokyo squad really and so, yeah, that fueled it. Even though we weren't thinking about it necessarily every single day, it was just, you know. You're taking there, away in the back of the mind, bubbling, the mind, that, sure. That feeling of, like, you know, that disappointment and all that kind of stuff. And so when we did eventually um, get to Tokyo and, and won that game in the final against France and found out we were champions, uh, if you saw that too, I my, you know, ugly face cry was all around the world. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. Are you an, are you an ugly cry? Oh, well, Look, I was then. I'm not, not a, usually, but... <laughs> not as, not as, as bad as Kim Kardashian. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, so so I've, I've had um, Hayden Wild on the podcast, so he's the triathlete. He yes. won a medal um, at Tokyo last year. And I, I asked him about his Olympic experience because it was a very, very weird Olympics last year, wasn't it, due to COVID? It was. Um, but he's got nothing to compare it to. But you, on the other hand, you do. 
Like you, yes. you experienced normal Olympics in 2016 and surreal Olympics in 2020. What's the difference between the two? Oh, it was 100% different. Like yeah. it would have been, a, like I just know that would probably would have been one of the greatest Olympics if, you know, all the um, Japanese people and everyone else was able to come in and support because I know the Japanese just, you know, first of all, they love New Zealand, they love rugby, and it would have been amazing in that stadium of, like, 60,000 people. Yeah, because who was there? No, just no one. No one, pretty much. It was just, um, what do you call it, people at the stadium, like the volunteers and the, right. and the officials, and then just support staff from each team. It was empty. Like, you could hear yourself <laughs> out on the field, which was crazy. So, yeah, it was very different. We were pretty much, you arrive, you compete, you leave. That wasn't the case in Rio. Like, you arrive, you compete, you get to stay on if you want, you get to support the other athletes, go to their events, all that mm. kind of stuff. And that's what I loved about Rio. We were able to, we're a team, a part of a wider New Zealand team, and we were able to meet new athletes, um, make friends, um, go and support them in their sports, and just really create this awesome environment in regards to the whole um, NZ team, which was so much fun. And being, you know, just able to just chill out a bit after competition and have some fun at the end of the day too. Whereas this was just like, nah, boom, 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 gone. Didn't even get to celebrate our gold really because, you know, when we came home and in a quarantine hotel for yeah, two weeks. Yeah, in Christchurch. So, so, so you, you win the gold medal and then so, so then what happens after like, that? Literally the next day we were on a plane um, back to New Zealand straight into a quarantine hotel in Christchurch. We were there for two weeks. So that's when it was the two-week um, time. First week was awesome because um, <laughs> I was tired and fatigued, so I was just sleeping, and then the Olympics were still on. So we were still able to watch, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. watch Lisa Carrington win her gold medal and all that kind sure. of stuff. Um, second week was a lot harder. <laughs> it was a lot harder, yeah. Just We had already been away from home for two months by then too, so I was missing home and missing my partner and all that kind of stuff, so I couldn't wait to get out of there. Um, and then we got home. And literally a day or two later, we're in a national-wide lockdown. So it was, yeah, <sighs> great. So I couldn't even see my family or anything like that. Um, so it wasn't – I hadn't seen my family. So the, from going away and all that kind of stuff, it was eight months between seeing my family the last time. So I hadn't, see, hadn't seen wow. my family in eight months. And for me and my – like if anyone knows, like, you know, I'm quite a family-oriented person and I try and get up to see them as much as I can. And so knowing that I hadn't seen them for eight months um, and then eventually reuniting with them and showing them, you know, the gold medal and stuff was pretty yeah, amazing yeah. because they had planned to come over to Tokyo like they did in Rio. So they were there. That was a cool thing too. When you ran out in Rio, you just saw this like – section like a sea of black of all our family friends and supporters there you run out in Tokyo it was just mm. you know just nothing just empty but at the same time I think we were just so focused we didn't care like whether people were there or not we were just so focused and knew what we, we were there to do we were there for a job there to to go out there play some incredible rugby um and you know, Just bring home get the job and, done. Yeah, get the job done, pretty and much. From 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 um, the perspective of you, like kicking goals, is it is it easier with no people there? I, honestly, I whenever there's a crowd or not, like I just zone zone yeah. out anyway. Like my full attention is what's happening on the field and being present on the field at that moment. So you know whether the stadium's filled with fifty thousand people or not, I just don't really. Um, it doesn't really bother me too right. much. So, yeah. so if someone's booing you, if I'm yelling out, Tyler, you suck! <laughs> I hope you miss it. You 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 just you 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 manage to zone everything out. Yeah, pretty. Like, yeah. yeah, to a certain extent, really. Yeah. So obviously, I'll hear it because I got ears and, um, <laughs> and it hurts you know, your feelings. I, I can actually, I can I can hear obviously and. I'll Hear it, but I'm um, just so much into focusing on my process yeah. and what I have to do, um, type of thing. And crowds actually make it a lot harder to hear yourself on the field or for your teammates to hear you, and vice versa. So, the coolest thing about having an empty stadium 
all my teammates heard me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how good. How good. Okay, so um, yeah, let's talk about your family for a bit since, since you, you, you brought that up. So you're, um, you're um, part Māori, part Chinese. Yes, correct, and European. Mixed and European, yeah. Yes, so um, your granddad, um, you call him Gong Gong? Gong Gong, yes. Gong Gong. What, what, what does that mean? So that's pretty much grandfather right, in Chinese. Right. So he's full Chinese, which makes my mum half, and then me quarter Chinese. Yeah, right. and then um, Maori from my dad's side and European from both sides too. So it's a bit yeah, of so English you, Irish mix. Jeez, you're all over the place. Yeah, a bit of fruit salad. Eh? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and are, are you um, are you quite connected with 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 all your different roots and cultures? Um, to a certain degree. So my dad, when he was growing up, he didn't have the um, easiest lifestyle um, growing up, and so he had to do a lot of things for himself, him and his siblings. But they weren't. Um, where, they didn't. Where, where, where did he grow up? He grew up in West Auckland, West but Auckland, his family's okay. from Porati, um, which is kind of uh, this tiny town west of Whangarei, okay. north, Northland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, love Northland. <laughs> why, why didn't he have an easy time growing up? Um, just you know, his you know parents. There was about seven of seven kids and all that kind of stuff, and so they didn't have a lot of money yeah, at all. And okay. so, a lot of mouths yeah, to feed. Yeah, a lot of mouths to feed, and yeah, all that kind of stuff. And so he uh, had a tough, a tough upbringing, and so he. Um, they didn't speak or weren't really connected to their Māori side either. So his dad didn't speak it, he didn't speak it, neither of none of his siblings I, I don't, did. So. It's terrible, but I don't think it was a thing. I, th- I, and I think, um, how old's your dad? What's your dad's age? My dad is... Like oh, six. my mum. <laughs> how am I? Wait, let me see, let me see. 28 plus. I think he might be... Wait, I am, yeah... I think it's like fifty-one. Right, so he, he's he's probably almost at at the cusp or at that age where if you if you even tried to speak Maori in school, you get you know you got told off. Yeah, well, definitely his parents, you know. Yeah, they, they, yeah. Where it wasn't you know it wasn't allowed at all and. And it's alarming, stuff. isn't it? It really? is, it is. And so we don't really, yeah, don't really ha- didn't have that connection growing up at all. And so for me, it's all it's been about trying to build that connection again, and you know, being in this team and this environment, we're very. Um, you know, culturally aware, and there's a lot of girls that do know their background, so it's awesome just to continue to learn from them, like learn our language, the tikanga behind it all, and different stuff like that. So that's been mm. an awesome thing, and then it's opened my eyes to be wanting to, you know, go down that journey around my Maori side and to learn more about it. You know, last few years, um, previous to the last few years, you know, I didn't even really know my pipiha, and I couldn't even, you know. Um, say it to anyone, whereas now I, I know my pipiha, I can say it off the top of my head type thing. Which what, is, what is, you have to excuse my ignorance, what's a pipiha? It's kind of just like a whenever you go to a setting, um, whether it be formal or formal, um, it's like an introduction of where you okay. are. So it's like your your mountain, your um, your tribe. river, your tribe, right. your marae, your iwi, all that kind of stuff. Right. So that's kind of what you go through when you introduce yourself to... Oh, so like, like the 660 song? Yeah, 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 yeah right. it is, it, 100%, yeah, right, yeah, right. so how, yeah, it is, it is exactly, exactly that, so, um, yeah, so that's something that I now know, which is pretty cool, and I went to my sister, my dad and me, we took a, a day trip up to um, our marae in Porati, and I hadn't been there since I was a, like a baby, so I, I didn't even remember it, so we went there, and it must have been, what are we, three or so years ago now, three plus years ago, that we went there for the first time, really, when you think about it, mm. um, and got to actually see Almadai and the area that, you know, our ancestors and stuff come from and connect back to. So that was a pretty um, spiritual and, like, you know, connecting yeah, wider yeah. type experience um, for us. So that was cool. But, uh, yeah, I'm continuing to go down that journey and that process and learning, you know, our language of te reo Māori and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
for me. Uh, when it comes to the Chinese side, I probably had a bit, little bit more of connection to that because um, I was mainly brought up around my mum's side, even though we do still have that connection with my, my dad's side. Um, but, yeah, mainly brought up around that. Um, but even then, my granddad, my gong gong, you know, he's Kiwi-born, first generation in New Zealand, um, grew up playing rugby league, very Kiwi. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the, that's the craziest thing, right? Yeah. Like, so, so, yeah, so he's the first member of your family um, born in New Zealand. Yes. Um, so w- w- what year was he born? How old is he? He, God, I think Oh, we're like, going to do that thing again. Yeah, I know. Now I'm going to do math. <laughs> what, what, what is he, like, 82, like, 83, right, right. yeah. So I'm thinking of like a, like, a, like a Chinese man playing rugby league in New Zealand like 60 years yeah, ago. not common at all. I think he was the first Chinese, full-blooded Chinese man to represent Auckland. And he would have actually gone on to play for the Kiwis, um, but he broke his leg and, you know, missed all Oh, that was he that there. good? Yeah, yeah, no. He was he was legit. Yeah, yeah, no, he was legit. He played with the likes of any, any um, rugby league supporters out there, um, know some of the greats. He played with the likes of, like, um, Roger Bailey and all those guys. So, yeah, he was amongst some of the greats of um, New Zealand rugby, and yeah. he played alongside them. And so, yeah, he was he was that good. He could have been a Kiwi. Wow. Yeah, but just the stars didn't quite align um, yeah. for him back in the day. But yeah, it definitely was not common for a full-blooded Chinese man to be playing rugby or uh, sorry, rugby league back in the day. And so, you know, his mum, his parents, they barely spoke English, and they definitely did not support him playing, you know, a very non-traditional Chinese what non-Chinese did, what, what, sport. What did they want him to play? Oh, I, I think they just wanted him to help in the, the market garden and right. all that kind oh, of stuff, okay. you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was yeah, they kind of frowned upon that for a bit. So he was like. I think seven years old had to, you know, clean his own uniform and everything, his own boots and stuff, because they were like, "No, we don't want anything to do with it." And oh, right. So, like, if you you can play, but it's not. Yeah, well, you play, but I got nothing to do with it. Type thing. That's kind of how wow. it was back then. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine life would have been life would have been easy back. I'm just trying to think of like you know racism in New oh, Zealand 100%. back then. Like, yeah. You know, there's still a lot of racism today, but yeah, definitely him growing up there was. A lot of racism, you know, they got stones chucked at them and everything called a whole bunch of different names. Actual. Actual, 100%, yeah. One of our um, cousins, uh, my mum's cousins, actually lost an uh, lost an eye because of uh, kids throwing stones at her when she was younger. That's terrible. Yeah, one, yeah so it was pretty bad back then. So, uh, And, you know, still not great, you know, could still not be great today, but I think we are, you know, trying to head in the right direction right. And, and all that kind of stuff, but... Now, what, about you, you know, what about you? Have you experienced much? I I personally haven't um, experienced. Obviously, there's been the odd like mocking of the name and everything. Um, really, like what? Oh, uh, like Nathan Wong, and then they're like, "Oh, there's nothing Wong," and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. You know, like okay. <laughs> right. kids. No, you know, kids. So not out of yeah. You, you haven't had that out of school though. That's no, right. not yeah. out of school. So yeah. I haven't. I've obviously been um, mixed myself. You know, I haven't had to experience that type of stuff that my. Um, or my mum and that would have experienced but there's still that stuff around you know when we go to these events um, of, for my Chinese side like that kind of feeling when you were a kid like okay we don't look like everyone else you know like are we Chinese enough to be here type thing you know like no actual like you know you, you, you stick out a little bit um, we were, obviously because um, back then my um my Gung Gung, you know, they wanted him to marry a, you know, a Chinese woman. Um, but nope, he decided and picked my Nana, who's full European. And they met, I think they were like 16 or 17, married at 18. But that relationship wasn't supported initially by his parents either. Because, wow. you know, she's a white lady marrying a Chinese boy. Yeah. And that's what they didn't want. But thankfully from his, um, I think it was his auntie and uncle, like, no, she's a 
good girls, so let, let it happen. And she, they ended up loving her. She learnt the language, um, Chinese, and was able to communicate with them and everything. So they grew to love her and yeah, oh, loved her to the cool. day they died. You got it. Your, um, your, your great-grandparents, yeah, I, I can just imagine them in the market garden and their, their Kiwi-born sons playing rugby league, hooking up with the European oh, chicks. Know, they must right? have been like, what are we doing here? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I, could only, I could see it. 100%. We've done the wrong thing. Oh, but lucky they allowed it all to happen, eh? Because I want to be here. Yeah, well, everything happens for a reason. It does. That's it does. great. Yeah, um, yeah, I've, um, yeah, I've seen you on, on, on TV on various things over the years with, um, with your Gung Gung. You seem like you've, you've got a really close relationship, tight as. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. He's supported me in everything I, I do and um, still does. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. And then him alongside my dad, you know, we um, they were the two that taught me the basic skills. Uh, my dad wouldn't actually let me pass, a, a, you know, how you can spiral a rugby ball. So my dad wouldn't let me spiral a rugby ball until I was like 13. He would teach me how to just pass it and use my wrist to kind oh, of flick why? it. Why? Just to get the basics down well, first? Well, basics down first and, you know, really strengthen my wrist and ability just to throw a basic, you know, flat ball type pass. And that's all that was really required in touch. But then as my wrist strength built up, that then allowed me to then be able to chuck a good long spiral pass. Mm. And I'm, I'm grateful for that because I can <laughs> yeah. chuck some good passes now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing okay. Doing You're okay. doing all right. So thanks, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, are your parents, your parents still together? Yep, they're still yeah. together. They, so how am I? I am twenty eight, so they are twenty nine years married this year. Wow. Yeah, I wow, think that's so September. I think that's the right age. That's, that's phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, so they're still going strong. Yeah. It's um, yeah, 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 twenty twenty nine. Yep, twenty nine years married. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And how, how many other siblings? You, you must got, be if, if twenty nine years married. You're twenty eight, <laughs> so you must have been the yes, first. Yes, yes. So I'm the oldest. I've got a, a younger sister, Shay. Um, she's. If I'm 28, <laughs> she's 26, I think. Yeah, I think, she, no, 25, 25, yeah, turning 26 next year. And so she's, um, we're complete opposite. So for, like, she, yeah, she loves sport, loved playing sport, like, did touch, did rugby, but wasn't as, I guess, passionate or as, dri- like, driven in that regards and the sporting regards as me. But she's amazing what she does now. She works at Sky Sport um, as an assistant or something like that. Right, right. Got a, um, oh, it's good that you know what your sister yeah, does. Yeah, so Shay. <laughs> <laughs> in the Sky Sports Department. Yeah, um, oh, it's the same with me and my sister. I've got no <laughs> idea what she does. Yeah, no, but she's pretty amazing in her job. And then um, she's got a double major, um, Bachelor's of Arts and screen production and all that kind of stuff. So she loves the real media side, the photography, the um, uh, videography, all that kind of stuff, and editing and all that. So she, I think she wants to be like get into film and all that kind of stuff as well. But she's pretty incredible. Like, some of the stuff you see, the content you see on my um, Instagram and stuff, she's had a hand and helped me, um, you know, edit that and put it all together. We're kind of like two. I'll come up with the concept, the idea, and then she'll help me bring it to life. So yeah, yeah, amazing she's, teamwork. She's cool that teamwork, one hundred percent. And then there's my little brother David. <laughs> He's what year is it? 22. So he's 22 now. <laughs> oh, that's easy. <laughs> that's oh, easy. I know. On. Whatever the year is, that's how old he is. <laughs> and so, yeah, he's, um, we're very similar built. Like we're, you know, that tall kind of lanky um, thing. Whereas my sister, she's a bit more um, shorter, a bit stockier, a bit more muscly. And so she always, you know, was like, damn it, why did you guys get the height? <laughs> she followed my mum. Me and my brother followed my dad. Um, but I think he... Oh gosh, what does he do? He like I think repairs um, drains on the ground and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> he's really, gonna, yeah. you really don't know. Do you? No, I don't, I don't <laughs> you know, know the actual. Idea. I don't know the actual yeah, different yeah, like yeah. the job yeah. title. But yeah, no, he's doing well in that regards. He's got two beautiful, uh, three beautiful kids. Um, 
as well. So yeah, he started young. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was thinking that he must yeah, have started really young. He started young. Um, still with the still with the baby mama. Not the first one, right. but the second one. Right. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And so that so we got the yeah they live not far from mum and dad the um, his fiance Evie and and their two beautiful kids and so it's uh, yeah every time I get to go to Auckland I'm like yeah we'll bring the kids over bring my little niece and nephew they're so cute um, yeah. Excited to see them again, so hopefully stay on after, um, once we get back from Com Games, stay yeah, on and yeah. spend some good quality time with them for a few days. Yeah, you seem really connected to your family, eh? Yeah, well, you know, they've been there, obviously, since day one. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, before day one. Yeah, yeah. before day one. Um, but, you know, they're the ones that have allowed me and provided me with that foundation to be able to be the person I am today. And so if it wasn't for them, you know, helping me, guide me, um, support me, give me the odd little you know, shove and push every now and then, um, you know, that's, I'm grateful for everyone. You do that? When, when do they need to give you the um, the shove and push? Oh, that would have been my, my younger days. Yeah, right. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah, were you a handful? I oh, can't yeah. imagine it. I wasn't a handful. No, I was just very competitive and, you know, <laughs> love sport and sometimes, you know, you know, like anything, when, you know, your dad or your mum's giving you advice, you don't want to hear it, but when someone else tells you, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I it's the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, you, you do though. You, you save like your worst behaviour for the people that you love the most oh, know, sometimes. It's weird. <laughs> no, I was, I was an angel. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> and um, now let's talk about the um, the 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 Ann Geddes thing. Um, oh, Geddes, yes. So um, yes, yeah, yeah, so, so the, 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 you know, I'm I'm older than you. This was big back in my era in the in the 1990s in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, pretty much any sort of middle class, in particular Caucasian household, had an Ann Geddes book on the coffee table. Yeah. And you were one of the Ann Geddes for anyone that doesn't know, famous New Zealand photographer based in New York now. She used to do photos with babies, like in terracotta pots and. Sunflower pots. Sunflower and, pots. <laughs> and, and you were, you were like, I'm guessing you don't remember anything of it. No, I do not. I so think I was only about six, six months, months old. Six months old. Yeah. And you were like dressed up as like a chubby little sparrow. Or I was. I was a cute little. I was, okay, so if you see me now, I'm, you know, you wouldn't think it, but I was a chunky baby. Oh, you cute. <laughs> you had yeah. that little baby fat I going know. on. I was a chubby little sparrow, and then I was also a little sunflower as well in a pot with um, two other babies. And so it was actually crazy. My cousin sent my mum a photo. Um, it must have been last week or something like that. Um, and in Australia, they were talking to Anne Giddies, interviewing her. One of the Australian news things were interviewing her. And of the photo they were, had in the background was me in the sunflower pot um, with these two other babies. And so that's still going around. And then my auntie was in America maybe five or so years ago. She's walking around the streets. And then, yep, yeah, inside a bookstore and all that, this big blow-up picture of me in the sunflower uh, – no, the bird bath. Um, as a baby, Amazing. I know. Like, so it's still yeah, pretty popular. <laughs> so, um, so how, how did that come about? You must have had conversations with your your mum or dad about this. Um, how? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't actually hundred percent know how it came about. I think they were just like searching for babies, and then mum was like, "Oh yeah," um, kind of applied, and then got selected. Took me along, and boom, shot a few photos, and now still going around and still quite popular. <laughs> yeah, and and so your parents must have signed like a release form or something. Yeah, yeah. So do they, do they get paid any money at the time? Or? Um, I don't think they got paid any money, but they got to keep, obviously, right. the, the images themselves, yeah. But oh, n- so they're at home in the family house. <laughs> yeah, but now that you're, um, you're, you're uh, you know, an incredibly successful athlete in your own right and you probably deal with lawyers and contracts and stuff, yeah, they, yeah, you must sort of think, fucking, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Why, where's the ongoing royalties for this shit? I know, right? How good would that have been? <laughs> yeah. Um, what an amazing thing to be part of, though, especially like given, you, you know, you, like you were just a tiny baby then, and now you've got, you know, you've, you've, you've gone on to be one of the, one of the world's greatest athletes, really. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So, like, Anne Giddy's maybe a couple of, 
oh, it must have been four or so years ago now, um, did a like, baby, where are you now type thing. And so I um, yeah ended up like replying to that comment or that, and ended up emailing her. And then she was like, wow, look at what, like, you know, and then posted on her social media and kind of just did that for a whole bunch of other babies too, just to see where they are now type thing. And I think that's when I was leading into the Rio 2016 Olympics there. That would have been about five years ago now. But yeah, it's yeah. just crazy just to see that, you know, this image of me is in the, you know, a bird bath and a sparrow outfit and a, a sunflower and a, and a, and a, you know, a pot is still going around. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. How many, what, you know, 28 years later almost. Yeah, yeah, you see, because you were like six months old yeah. at the time. It's, it's amazing that they managed to get, you, you look real placid, by the way. As I must a, have been well fed. Yeah. <laughs> or you look well fed. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. Um, and oh, oh, I just noticed your ring. Oh, yes. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, yeah, we need to talk about that. So you, you got engaged fairly recently. Yes, so that was in Feb, end of Feb, 27th of Feb to be exact. Right. Oh, no. No, it wasn't. <laughs> 27th of Jan's our anniversary, the 13th of Feb, sorry, day before Valentine's. Right. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Now, um... Oh, what did I read? I read like a Woman's Day or Woman's Weekly yes, article. Yeah. So, so your 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 mum and your soon to be mother in law they sort of like did some matchmaking. Yeah, they, so that's oh, they both love telling the story. Honestly, it's so funny. So, <laughs> I was up for an award at the um, the Northland Multi Sports Awards, and so was my fiance at the time. Um, but he he wasn't there. He was actually over in Hawaii, still like competing and stuff like that. But what does he compete in? He's um, a wakaama paddler, so he does. Oh shit! Oh, the big boats. Yeah, so there's a single. Um, so it's the canoe that's got the like the it's outrigger outrigger canoe. Right, yeah, so right. So the waka and then the armor on the side. So he does singles as well as six man, twelve man races. Um, he's actually going to the. Um, Wakaama, uh, or Va'a, I think it's the Va'a, they call it, same thing, it's Tahitian Va'a, um, Worlds, Elite Worlds, Sprint Worlds in um, London in, when is it, August, so wow. yeah, so he's competing in that, um, he's a coach as well as a, a paddler, so he's, he'll be competing in that, but he also does surf ski paddling, and he's dabbled a little bit in K1 sprint paddling too. Wow. Yeah. yeah so where's, where's he from, what's his background? So he is um, Maori and Dutch, and a little bit of Scottish I think is in there as well. Yes, you guys, between you guys. I know, wait we have a baby, right? <laughs> <laughs> he was chunky too, so I'm hoping for a chunky baby. <laughs> uh, but he's um, he was born in Cambridge, um, but grew up in uh, Broadwood up north, far north, like right. high tyre. So, yeah, Northland boy as well. Um, his family home's up in Broadwood still. Absolutely love going up there. Got stuck in lockdown up there and loved every single minute of it. Amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, so our, we, we got put on the same table um, at the Northland Maldi Sports Awards, our family. So it was me, my mum, dad, and my sister. And then it was his mum, dad, and her sister. Uh, his sister, sorry. And so we were, you know, just chatting away, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, at... You know, at the end of the night, um, his mum said to my mum, oh, your your daughter should meet my son one day. <laughs> and then from that, you know, obviously I was like, oh, you're talking to them. So I gave gave him a follow on Instagram and then he followed me back and that was kind of it until like a day or so later, he had a phone call with his mum and then she was like, oh yeah, we sat next to Tyler Nathan Wong and her family and that's when he, the, like the penny dropped. He was like, oh, that's why she followed me because, you know, we'd been, you know, talking and all that kind of stuff and then after that phone chat, he, he slid in the DMs and, and sent me a message. <laughs> How cool! What was yeah. the, what was the first message? Okay, so it was actually a really good message. It wasn't one of those like creepy like. Hey, how you up to? Yes, those was like he's like oh. Um 
here I am wondering why someone like here I am wondering why a superstar like you followed me on Instagram and it's like then I was talking to my mum and she told me how you got, um were at the same time we were at the awards and it's like kia ora Tapudia King oh <laughs> cool yeah, that's nice yeah it was nice and then I just replied like oh yeah like your mum did really well accepting the award on your behalf blah 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 and that was it you know for a little bit we just kind of you know small chat you know how you on Instagram you can like react like yeah. <laughs> emoji react yeah it was kind of a little bit of that and then the conversation started getting more and more until eventually we're like oh should we like meet up and we're like oh yeah um, I'm going to ba- I was said I'm going to bedrooms with my sister and my cousins and stuff like that um, what are you up to for New Year's? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll come down. Little did I know, he was in full prep mode for his nationals and, like, just came down, was only meant to come down for daydreams, like, on the second and maybe stay on the third of Jan and stuff like that. He ended up staying the whole week and we wow. hung out the whole week and that was pretty much it from there, like, like I knew, had known him for ages. And so it wasn't – yeah, because often, you know, you can chat to someone online, but it, – it's strange, eh? Like on like Tinder and Bumble, Bumble and things like that. Yeah, never use those. Never use those, but yeah. No, no, but it's like um, you, you don't really know someone until you until you meet them, and yeah, then there's the chemicals and yeah, yeah, and things 100%. like that. So, but there, so there was nothing awkward, and nothing, the attraction no, was nothing awkward whatsoever. I felt like I'd known him for ages. Yeah. yeah, it was just instant, like yeah, instant for both of us, really. And yeah, it was pretty much that was it. Like we hung out that week. I went and watched him play Nash. Uh, play he didn't play he paddled <laughs> race at nationals like I think a week or so later he then came um and watched me at the Hamilton Sevens um that was I think that was our first time playing at home properly um and so he came bumped into my parents met my parents <laughs> and then asked me to be his girlfriend um at the end of that month so he literally, asked he asked yes wow. so you know was how that's that... not really common now like you know yeah, it's kind of like asked. oh yeah we've been hanging out oh, so yeah, just my, assume so that just assume yeah nah, he asked <laughs> How was that? Was that quite lovely? It was. It's it quite was, endearing. It was. So after um, after the Hamilton Sevens, we ended up um, having like a family friend type gathering. Our team did at um, one of the restaurants there just to celebrate winning Hamilton Sevens, playing at home for the first time before we then head to Sydney the next day. And so Mum was like, "You got to come along, come along," like type thing. So he came along, met all my teammates. You know, my teammates like, "Ooh, who's this?" <laughs> type thing. <laughs> all that happened, and then he dropped me off back at the hotel. And then as he was dropping me off and saying bye, he's like, "You know, we was like, oh yeah, I was blah blah blah." And then he's like, "Do I just ask?" And I'm like, "Ask what?" <laughs> and I was like, "Go, go, go on." Then he's like, "Do you want to be my girlfriend?" <laughs> That's lovely. It is. He's a sweetheart. And, and, and clearly you said yes. Clearly I said yes. Yeah, I yeah. went back to my room, obviously with a massive grin on my face. One of my teammates, Tanika Willison, just being a smart ass that she is, she's like, what, did he, like, you know, joking around, I was like, what, did he ask you to be his girlfriend? I was like, yes. And she was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then I just got like jumped on by all of them. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Yeah. And then, yeah, that was, that was it pretty much. And then not long after that, we got put into... Went up north to for his mum's sixtieth, and then the day after, boom, lockdown for. Was that the first? So, yeah, it was the very first. So lockdown. like March, March, whatever, twenty yeah, twenty. Yeah. Okay, so it was like early in our relationship yeah. and lockdown for like what three months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it was like, oh, up in north too, like isolated. It's like are you either going to sink or swim in this relationship. Yeah, why did it, like accelerate the the learning process, getting yeah, to know each 100%, other? Hundred percent, and yeah. it did. And I'm quite grateful for the whole. Like, obviously, everyone's had different experiences during the COVID period, but for me, 
I absolutely loved it because it's the first time I've able to actually slow down and see what life is at like without rugby. You know, I'd been so constant for so many years with rugby or just sport in general, like at the top level. It actually gave me a chance to be like, okay, what is life like without, you know, without yeah, sport, without yeah. that? And I absolutely loved it. You know, I loved my time away. And so I know whenever my moment comes to step away from rugby or sport in general that I'm actually going to be happy doing that because – you know, I've You've got had a this, taste of it. I've had a taste yeah. of it, and I know what life's like without it. And I think that was like a blessing yeah. at the end of the day for me during that COVID period. But listen, listen, let's not talk about your retirement just yet. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. I've still, I've still <laughs> got plenty of time. Yeah, yeah, Calm yeah, down, yeah. sis. Calm down. So, um, so uh, what did what did you find out about each other in lockdown? Like uh, any sort of annoying things? What? what? Not really. Like, if, 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 if I asked him, what would he what would he say about you? Oh, well, like you learn each other's like annoying. Day lady asked him, yeah. <laughs> it was, I think he just learned how, I think, I think, I can't speak on behalf, but I think he learned just how, um, what's the word? Not competitive. Um, how, you know, like. <laughs> like driven, driven, focused. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, driven yeah. and focused I am. Like, yes, we had just been told, like, devastating news that Com- uh, Olympics had been postponed or potentially cancelled. And, you know, I still would get up every morning and go do some training and exercise with him. Not training, not knowing what the heck was going on, but that's something that I wanted to do because I never knew when it could come back yeah, type for sure, thing. And for so sure. I think that's what he, you know, he learned I was driven, focused, all that kind of stuff. And similar with me, like, I learned that his mindset is bloody incredible. Like, he can go out and do a 30k paddle by himself and be happy just doing that, you know, like. He's raced 60-kilometre paddles by himself type thing. Like, he's insane. And so I learned how how um, his mindset is and just how um, strong it is. And to be able to do that, that's a long time out yeah, of the water. Like, mental toughness. That's 100% mental toughness. Yeah, and that's yeah. something I learned early on in, in that too. Like, he doesn't get paid to do it. Like, I, you know, what I get to do, I get paid to do, to train every single day and all that kind of stuff. He doesn't. He doesn't get paid to do any of that. Like, he does it because he loves it's it. A but passion. It's a passion. And he's very competitive in it. And, you know, he wants to be the best in the world at it. And so that's something I learned from him. Like, he doesn't, he's not getting paid, but he loves it so much that he's willing to go out and sacrifice, you know, all this time with his family over the years to be at his best that he can be. And yeah, I was like, I'm cool. 100% support you in whatever you do type thing, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. So who, who said I love you first? He did. Did he? <laughs> how, how long? In, was that during lockdown? Was during that, lockdown. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. He and then I pretty much said it straight after. <laughs> yeah. Did you, um, can you remember it? The, remember the first time? We were just chilling, I think, watching TV one night upstairs um, at their place. And then, yeah, he just like looked at me and was just like, I love you. <laughs> oh, that's nice. And then I pretty much said it straight away back. Yeah. Know? But I remember asking Wait, I'm my sad if you don't, though, I like... Oh. <laughs> I'd hate to be in that, that situation, eh, of someone that says I love you and then they don't say it back. Oh, that's oh, nice. That's nice. <laughs> oh, that's right. And, and what about the proposal? Did you know, had you sort of discussed getting married or was it a complete surprise? No, so we had, we've been talking about it. So we've been talking about, like, you know, about... Getting married, he, you know, every now and then he'd be like, oh, wifey, and all that kind of stuff, like, you know, dropping those jokes. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that. Yeah. But now we had discussed it. We even had, like, had the odd look at like different rings, and he's like, oh, what do you like, type thing. And I don't even really had a preference at all. I'm just like, at the end of the day, whatever you get is going to be special because you've put time, effort, and thought into it. That's kind of how I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so I knew it was coming, but I didn't know it was coming on that day. So he actually planned to do it on our two year, uh, two year anniversary, which was the 27th of Jan, but. 
Uh, the weather was really bad. Like we went out to the beach for dinner and the weather was really bad. It was super windy and cold and stuff like that. And then he also hadn't asked mum and dad yet. So he was like, nah, it's not the right time. I can't do it. <laughs> and then so I was at, um, that happened. And then uh, he was like, oh, should we go away for Valentine's weekend? And I was like, oh yeah, cool. I'm at Blues Camp Saturday, Sunday, but I can meet you, you know. I'll, as soon as I finish my super camp, I'll come down and, you know, we can book an Airbnb and I'll meet you there type of thing. And that's what happened, you know, booked the Airbnb, like 40 minutes from where we live, um, cute little cabin out on like a farm type thing. Outdoor bath. Yeah, outdoor bath. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, outdoor I was, bath. When I was looking for places, like, I want an outdoor bath. <laughs> <laughs> Found it. And then he was going to do it on the um, actual Valentine's Day, but he was a so nervous and couldn't hold it in. And yeah, then, could, could you tell? Could you tell that something was up? Was he No, like, so he, not initially. So yeah, I was just like, yeah. oh, this is a cute little getaway for us, you know, just to spend some time because I've been busy with uh, rugby supers, kind of everything starting back up and he'd been busy with work. So I was like, oh, this is some time for us to have some quality time together. Yeah. Um, it wasn't at all literally maybe like just before he asked that I switched on because we had dinner, we cleaned out, we are just like sitting under the stars. He disappears inside. And then our favourite song starts playing. I was like, oh, that's cute, you know, like our favourite song that we listen to. And then he walks out and then he's got his Ponamu on. He literally did not have his Ponamu on when he walked inside. So I was like, what the heck? What? Like, I was like, that's random. And then like we kind of like just like slow dancing, like just hugging each other. And I was like, oh, you got Po on. He's like, yeah, I need it for a bit of kaha. And I was like, oh, that's when it kind of the penny dropped oh, in my oh, head. I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and then wow. obviously he started saying, you know, sweet things. I can't even remember because I was just like, this is happening right now. <laughs> wow. So he, he, like, re- he would have like rehearsed the whole thing, I guess. Oh, and, probably, yes, and you maybe. Don't even, wow. And what, so what, what's the song? Is, is it like a couple song that you have? It's um, Millionaire by Chris Stapleton. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So is that your song, is it? song, yeah. We love a bit of country. <laughs> right. How, well, how, who, did he, you introduce him to Chris Stapleton or vice versa? Or so, you both? No, we both just loved country music. And so, yeah, we'd listen to it. And then one time we were just listening to a bit of country together when obviously we were together and this is a song that just keeps getting repeated right. and replayed by both of us. And so, yeah, that's how we fell upon it. That's a lovely song, that one. Yeah. Actually, yeah, the, the opening line to that song, it's something like, um, oh, do you know what the opening line is? Something about love. love um, Never costeth this. No, you can't compare love to gold or yeah, something yeah, yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So the funny thing is, you can. You, <laughs> you can compare love to gold. So what? Um, what's more special, winning an Olympic gold medal or being proposed to? <laughs> I think... For me, being proposed to, because that's something I, you know, that's the rest of my life type thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, winning an Olympic goal was bloody amazing. It's something I've been working towards. But now, you know, finding that one, that person that I can create my own family with and, you know, build upon that um, life after type thing. So. Yeah. Oh, cool. And there you w- go, babe. Proposal. <laughs> <laughs> she said the right answer. Um, have you got a wedding date? When are you getting married? Oh, gosh. We're, we're, this yeah, is, my mum's yeah. like, have you started planning yet? <laughs> no. So no, we haven't got a wedding, exact wedding date yet, but we do know we want to, we're looking at end of next year. So. 2023. Yeah. yeah. So actually today, after this, we're actually doing some wedding planning. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Um, and um, I, I, don't, I don't know if this is a relevant question or not, but it's like um, you're you, you're sort of a, a brand, and you're very well known, and everyone knows the name Tyler Nathan Wong. Are you gonna are you gonna like keep playing under that name, or are you gonna take his name? No, so I'm actually gonna take his name. I'm yeah, take King. Yeah. Oh, it's a great, a oh, solid it's a great name. Great name, eh? Tyler King. <laughs> I know. We're actually gonna both have the same initials, TK. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so he's actually got his own um, business trained like a king. So, you know, once I'm done with rugby, I can slide straight into that. <laughs> TK and all that kind of his apparel and stuff that he does. So Amazing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'll take king. And so the idea being, you know, get married in the next year and then be able to play with king for a, a couple of years and at the next Olympics, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, everything goes well, I make it, I'll run out with um, a king jersey on. Wow. Yeah. I can just see in your eyes how, <laughs> how how happy the thought of that makes you in terms of, like, motivation. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, 100%. Like, that's something I said to him when we did get um, engaged, like, how cool it would be to, you know, have his name on my back and then um, run out there for the first time and, you know, give his family one of my jerseys just to be like, thank you <laughs> oh, type wow. thing. And thank you for their love and support as well. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I hope that happens. I can't see any reason why it won't, yeah. the, way you're, the way you're going at the moment. Um, now, one thing I'd like to ask everyone on the podcast is, um, is about their, their mental health. Mm-hmm. How are you? You good? How are you today? I'm good, yeah. I yeah. am good. Um, the last couple of months for me have been, have been a little bit mentally challenged. I've got a little bit of a niggle at the moment, which has kind of been around pre-Canada yeah. 20, and it's not something that can just get fixed like that. It's not anything serious, but it's just constantly there. So it's a little bit draining in that regards. And then, obviously, I got COVID in France, came back for a week or so, and then got knocked down by that nasty flu that's circulating at the moment. So You're worse than COVID. It is worse than COVID, 100%. It kicked my butt. Like, I'm still, like, kind of recovering from it. Um, it's only been my – this is my first proper week back training. Like, I played at Oceana's last week, but I hadn't done any training mm. for two weeks before stepping out on that field. So I was only getting little bits and minutes, you know. Yeah. And I was still, I was still dying out there. <laughs> I was getting my teammates. But, yeah, so that's just been, I guess, the more draining side, you know, being sick and all that kind of stuff and and then having that little niggle. So that's been a little bit challenging for me. But otherwise, no, nah, I'm really good. I'm really good. Yeah, it's um, good. It's good to have, you know, I always catch up. Uh, it's good to have Tupu home as well because he was over in Tahiti, um, paddling for the first time over there in like three years and so having him home someone you know to connect with but then my family's always there too we're always messaging each other um on our little messenger group chat or like video calling each other just mm. to check in and see how each other's going i think that's important yeah absolutely it is completely it is and is there any little like like tips or strategies or things that you do like if, if you know if you can feel your mental health not being where you want it to be or where it should be are there any little things you do do you, you journal yeah. or anything or nah, so i don't drink? journal. i'm not one of those ones that like likes to journal or like say wake up at like start of daylight and go to the beach type thing. That's just, that's just not me. Like, I love my sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love sleeping. So first one, uh, sleeping in. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw your, um, your, one of your teammates and friends, uh, Ruby Tui, like she's, she's into her morning dips yeah. at the beach or whatever. <laughs> each to their own. Each to their own, 100%. Each to their own. Um, for me, I think it's just like noticing and not um, putting like a negative, positive spin on whatever feelings are coming in at that moment. And so just embrace them and acknowledge them and that's something that I've learned through rugby as well and the different psychologists that we've, we've worked with over the years like just notice it accept it and then and then think okay what what's next type thing so I think not you know trying to bottle everything up and think you're perfect and you know nothing's worrying I think that's what's so incredible about this environment is that they see you as a person first before they see you as a rugby player or an athlete and so you know if there is something going on in your home life um all that kind of stuff, they're like, take the time, you need to go sort that out first because we know that we can't have the 100% you if you're not 100% you at home. Right. Yeah, so they're oh, like very, they're very really big about that here and that's what I absolutely mm. love. And, you know, we work with, um, we've got a psych- psychologist, um, Kylie, and we work with her um, and so she's open. You know, you could see her whenever you want type thing, whether it be a text, a phone call, Zoom, 
in-person type thing and so you know you can go to, to her for anything and so it's yeah it's not just about rugby here um, and for me it's not just about rugby and so that's kind of the, the things I've learned over the course of time and just yeah accepting it and then knowing that you can like you know find your person or people or whoever it is that you can I guess talk to and you know connect with and allow whatever's going on to be tabled and to express that because I think when you do hold on and bottle up it just gets worse yeah oh absolutely it does that's one thing I've been guilty of my entire life (laughs) oh (laughs) haven't we all like there's 100% been moments in here where like there might be something going on at home and I've just come in you know no one has no idea what's going on whatsoever yet it's you know slowly eating away at me inside what's going on and it's not until I've talked to someone that I finally just felt this you know big release so I've learned that you know I've never been a very emotional person myself, but I think since getting into this relationship with Tupu, he has allowed me to be more open and honest with my emotions and feelings, and that's 100% helped uh, me in everyday life as well as in rugby and stuff, just to be yeah open with how I'm feeling and what I'm feeling. Yeah, it's got a, yeah, 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 nothing wrong with um, showing a bit of vulnerability. Yeah, and 100%, and that's up. what this team, yeah, not yeah. Only, you know, that's, that's what this team's about, it's allowed us to be that as well, and like, yeah, it's not just about rugby. Yeah. Oh, there's some good messages there, some good takeaways that I think anyone can implement into their own life, and I, and good on you for saying you're sleeping. Oh, I, I, I feel love like, sleeping. Yeah, man. yeah, and I feel like with, um, with mental health, there's, like, there's no one size fits all, so 100%. For, so, for some, for one one person that might be writing down five things in a journal at the end of the day that you're grateful for, but yes. not for everyone. No, not for everyone. And yeah, like for me, like you asking my teammates, I love sleeping. And like, I'll, <laughs> I'll set my alarm for the last minute to go up and have breakfast and then go to training type thing. Like, yeah. that's, that's my time where I can just like, even if I'm not asleep, you know, I'm just lying in bed for a good hour, just oh, having, how good is that? having some me time, just yeah. chilling there, like, you know, might be playing a game on my phone. <laughs> Might be might be looking at the schedule for what's to come type yeah. thing, or you know, setting some calendar reminders. Like just a bit of me time, you know, is for me is crucial. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever works. Like some people will be like, oh, you, you shouldn't have a, sc- a screen before bed. You should read for twenty minutes. But fuck, if it's an episode of Love Island, that's going to make you feel good. <laughs> Go ahead and Go do ahead it. And do it. Yeah, whatever makes you feel good is is what I say. Is yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, that's probably just about a good place to end it. Oh, one one last thing. One last thing. What um, what still drives you now? Like what motivates? That's like, a good question. You've, you've got a gold. You've got a, a Commonwealth gold. You've got an Olympic gold. You've got world titles. Like w- what is it? That's an awesome question. Because not gonna lie, after the Tokyo Olympics, getting that gold, um, then slowly sh- trying to get back into training, my motivation was at an all time low. Mm. Like it was really really hard to get motivated to come back to training again and. I was grateful for the team here. They actually extended our leave period um, even longer to allow to push it back because I think they knew that just a lot of us just weren't ready yeah, mentally. Yeah. Like physically, we would have been sweet, but mentally, we just weren't ready to come back in and and switch on. I think that's because for a lot of us, we've been here for eleven years now. You know, there's a good chunk, eight to eleven, ten, eleven years, and so you know when you're doing the same thing day in, day out, it can be very um, mentally challenging. That's why, you know, trying to find that freshness, that, that what's, like you said, what's the new thing that's motivating you, what's your yeah, why type yeah. thing. And so for me now, it's just about um, having fun. Like I've achieved pretty much everything, almost and everything. Some. Yeah. And some, yeah, that I've wanted to achieve in the space of Rugby Sevens. And so for me now, it's just about really having that pure and utter joy and fun in what I do every day. I always say the day I don't is the day I will probably like walk away from this team environment because it can, like, it's it's not, like, you know, you only, people only see the, the, 
the small part, you know, of what we let them see in regards to us as professional athletes. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes under it. And it's it's challenging, like, you know, from selections, from trainings, all that kind of stuff. It's very, very challenging, time-consuming. And, you know, you do. You get home and sometimes and you're absolutely stuffed from, mm. you know, a day of work. Yeah. And like anyone, I guess. But, yeah, to do that for, you know, constantly push your body to those limits every single day for 11 years, um, yeah, it can it can get to you, but I think for me now is that yeah, that pure fun is what I want to do, and then also for me it's about putting this team in a better position than what it was type thing. So for me, helping the, that next generation come through, and when I do walk away eventually from the team, being like, yep, I did all I can to leave this team, this jersey, in a better place, and that's kind of two of the main reasons why I'm still here. I still love what I do and to help that next crew come through and cement their mark um, on this on this team and on the world. Yeah, what a legacy. Jeez, you're going to miss the business class flights though. Oh, I am. <laughs> oh my God, I know. We were talking about this earlier, like business class flights, that has ruined me for the rest of my life yeah, for travel. Yeah, like, and yeah. I am no way paying that much to travel for myself. <laughs> I am sorry. That's crazy <laughs> money. But it's, isn't it nice for you that when you, when you started it was economy and you you know, it was yeah. like an amateur sport and now things have progressed to where yeah, they are Yeah, like I've, I've been through that growth of women's rugby from that amateur area now to full-time professional and it, it hasn't been easy, you know, there's been lots of bumps and stuff along the way but we've grown together and the sport is in a really, really good place and as long as we can continue to grow and leave it in a better place for that next generation to come through. Like little girls now can be like, I want to be a Blackfern Sevens player, I want to be a Blackfern because that is what they want to be, and they can do that now for a job, you know. It's yeah. not just a hobby. Yeah, that's cool. And you get, get these girls and they're playing, playing on the, the beach or in the backyard, and they, they can be Tyler or they can be Ruby or whoever. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like, they now see us on TV. Like, I think they say, like, you know, if they're not seen, how can someone, you know, try and be type thing. And so now we're on TV, the 15s and the 7s, and, you know, they're able to see and be like, wow, I want to be like them. And you know, it's a, you know, we are role models at the end of the day and, you know, we are are aware of that. And when it, we're still human, you know, we're not perfect. But as long as we can be someone, like as long as I can inspire someone, like it's one single person, you know, I'd be so happy um, mm, with that, whether they yeah, play rugby or yeah. not, you know, but just inspiring them in some simple way, whether it be just to pursue a goal that they wanted to, that they had, didn't think they could before. Yeah, well, I think you're a pretty good role model. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you're a, actually, you're a role model as a baby as well. <laughs> a model with roles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll uh, take that as well. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, Tyler Nathan Wong, best of luck at the uh, Commonwealth Games. Oh, uh, thank uh, you. Another medal. Where, where, where are the medals, by the way? Last question. Where are the medals? Um, so the gold... And Don't tell me they're in a drawer somewhere. They better not be in a drawer. They're not in a drawer. The gold and the silver Olympic medal is sitting on the floating showers at the base of my bed type thing on the wall. <laughs> still in there, like, little card thing, though. Yeah, like, still yeah. in there, like, thing. They're not actually out on show. And then my gold Commonwealth Games and my World Cup ones are up home with mum and dad. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're things to be proud of, aren't they? I'm pleased oh, you got them on display. Oh, they are, yeah. Like, I'll 100% bring them out when, you know, if people want to see them and stuff like that. But yeah. it's a nice little reminder every now and then. Like, you you know, when you see, you're like, wow, it's... I've it's done still, some honestly, stuff. No, I still can't... Like, it's still... I'm still like, wow... Yeah, I've done some I did stuff. That. Yeah. I did that. Like we did that type thing. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I still pinch myself. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, Tyler Nathan Wong. Thank you so much for your time today. Really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks, Dom. Thanks for having me. <laughs>
Oh, you're still here, aren't you the best? Um, thank you so much for listening all the way through. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I'm guessing a lot of people don't make it this far, so so if you have done, uh, yay, yay for you. I really appreciate it. No pressure, but do me a favour if you want. If you don't already do this, uh, like, subscribe, follow, do whatever you've got to do, wherever you get your podcast from. I'm not sure how it makes a difference, but apparently it does. Feel free to give it a rating, like a five-star or a review. And um, I think the best sort of marketing I can do to spread the word about this podcast and this mission we're on is um, the word-of-mouth stuff. So let a friend know if you think they'll enjoy it or share it on your social media channels. But no pressure to do any of that, only if you want. Uh, The main thing is I just appreciate you being here, appreciate you listening to this, and I really hope you got something out of it. Feel free to send me any feedback, complaints, criticisms, whatever you've got, any time. I won't necessarily change anything, but I do read it all, and I do take it all on board. Instagram's a good way to get a hold of me. Slide into my DMs at domharveynz, or email me, domharveynz at gmail.com. Okay, thanks so much. I hope to see you next week. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.